I forgot to change my microphone. Hey everybody, welcome back to Reading with Celebrities. I'm Lindsay. I'm Tiffany. And today is our discussion on the Dictionary of Lost Words by Pip Longins. Yeah. So, as always, we will start with a little author's bio and then jump into the book. The book. The book. Alright, so I get this from both her website and... Google Books. Sounds good. Um, Pip Williams was born in London, but then moved to Sydney, where she now lives in uh, Adelaide. Sorry, Australians, I don't have an accent. Um, And she, uh, like I said, lives there now with her partner, and she's got two children and a bunch of animals. Um. But she co-authored the book Time Bomb, Work, Rest, and Play in Australia Today, and that was published in 2012, and that was co-authored by Barbara uh, Pocock and Natalie Natalie Skinner. Um, But she spent a lot of time in academia. She's got a lot of chapters she's written, uh, a lot of peer-reviewed articles, and just a bunch of different fields, including like psychology, public health, work and family, community of development. Um, then her bio at her website says she became bored with all that, <laughs> and she was just like, I'm over this. And so, um, then she started to publish travel articles and book reviews until she decided to publish One Italian Summer in 2017, and that is nonfiction, and it talks about her family's journey through Italy. And then... The first novel, The Dictionary of Lost Words, published in 2020, which we will jump into. Yeah, it was funny. Like, when you said One Italian Summer, there's a really popular book right now called One Italian Summer. And I was like, oh, my God. Like, I didn't know she wrote that. Because I'm like, I can see the cover. Like, um, and then as you were reading, I looked that up and I was like, that's not her. And then you were like, nonfiction. I was like, there it is. There it is. Because <laughs> I was like, oh, I didn't know she wrote that. That's a really popular book. But my bad. Yeah. She's on her second popular book. Yeah. But, okay. Um, yeah. Yeah, I also didn't say the Dictionary of Lost Words was like six on. Oh, I lost it already. Um, Like for 2020, like Australia's best books or something. Oh, yeah. So incredibly popular. I mean,. Reese chose it, and mm-hmm. popular in Australia and all that stuff. So. Yeah, and it was a book in, in 2022, like, she chose, it was her May 2022 pick. So, but yeah. I feel like we've had a lot of recent picks so far. I know. Because this was 2022, Whisper Network was also 2022, and Seven Days in June, I think. True Biz was. Yeah, I know True Business. Maybe the other ones were like 2020, 2020. Yeah, I don't know if Whisper Network was, but maybe True Business. They're all very recent. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I remember True Biz for sure. Because they were, it was on the awards list that we did for Goodreads. That's right. All right, let's hop into it. 
So this book begins in 1886 and is divided into different parts, different chunks of time um, to give you the year range. And then because it's the story of the Oxford English Dictionary being put together and published, it also tells you what words were being worked on, like ranges of words. So for part one, it's 1887 through 1896, and that's when they complete from the words batten to distrustful. Yep, almost 10 years to get through the letter D. Not even through the letter D, part of the letter D. This sounded... It needed to be done, but this just sounded so tedious. <laughs> like, take, go through slips of paper, people oh. bring it. I mean... Obviously, the first dictionary had to be, like, the first Oxford dictionary had to be written. But, man, you don't realize how long that it took. And, like, <laughs> like you're watching, like, I think she was seven when it the book first started. And you're just, like, watching her become, like, a woman. And the dictionary is still not done. It's just so many things happened during that time. The idea, too, of, like... It wasn't like they worked on it, worked on it, worked on it, and then did the big, you know, the big, massive dictionaries that we see now. It was like, here's all the A's and part of the B's. Yeah, it was almost like an encyclopedia where you have different volumes. It was like volume one. And I think they did that because, like, since they had that done, they were like, well, we at least should release what we have. Because, like, if you never release it... (laughs) Not to mention the printing process was so much more involved. Yeah. (laughs) That to me, like at the beginning, I was just like, oh my god. But it's it's just, it's an interesting process because I mean, I hadn't, I was not familiar with how it was all put together and how long the process was. So I found that quite interesting. And then how you choose the words, how you get definitions for words and quotes from other things and just deciding what what words to put in the dictionary and deciding what definitions of those words to put in the dictionary. Yeah, I don't... Ugh. Ugh. I hurt my brain. <laughs> Anyways, back to, the, back to the book. Um, so Esme is the main character and her dad is one of the lexographers working on the book and they the place that they sit and work, they call it the, um, the scriptography Scriptorium. 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 Sorry, I literally just woke up from a nap. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And so she talks about in her youth, she would go and she would sit underneath the desks and kind of just, that's like where she would hang out. That's where she felt most comfortable. Her mother had passed away. Um, So she she really only knew her dad. She even doesn't call her mom. She calls her Lily. Mm -hmm. Um. And then she she slowly starts getting this thing where she sees a slip of paper fall and she grabs it real quick without any of them noticing. She looks at it and it's a word and she um, turns it in and she's like, why don't you want this word? And they're like, because we don't like, that's not a word that doesn't fit our criteria. And so he throws it in the fire and she goes and retrieves it and ends up burning and damaging her hand. She still has the paper. Yeah. That was bondsmaid, correct? That was that word? Mm-hmm. Bondsmaid. So yeah. this little theme throughout the whole book is uh, words typically related to, like, women or that aren't, like, being written like, down by Shakespeare or used by... Yeah, like, almost like 
oh, what's that word I was looking for? Like, ins- words that are insulting to women. Um, mm-hmm. So, like, they don't really have a definition. It's just kind of like, you know what that word means when somebody says it. So I think that's also why these words weren't put in right away either is because, like, the way they were getting definitions of words and, like, the research they were doing, like, you don't really have research of, like, using the C word in, like, a historical book kind and of thing. it was thing. only only educated people could read and write, so yeah. they're the only ones submitting words. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, anyway, so she... That's pretty... Is that pretty much it in the first part? I mean, we spent... Yeah, and she... Almost 10 years. (laughs) And she, like... During that time, you're learning about, like, the different characters that are also at the scriptorium. You have her father. You have Dr. Murray, who's, like, in charge of the whole thing. That's actually... He's, like, the editor putting the dictionary together. And And you have... He's based off a real person. Like, Dr. Murray was real. No, I think most of them were real. Because even Mm -hmm. Sweatman was real. His daughters were real. Like, most of these people are based off of, um, like, um... Dee Dee, or what is her name? Dita. The one that writes... Or short for Edith, Dita. Yeah, yeah Dita. Um, she's a real character. Like, they're all pretty much real people. Um, but so then you, like, you're also learning, like, um, Dr. Murray's family. He has two daughters. And then there's um, her friend that is basically, like, a maid for this family. And that's kind of where she, like, stashes this bonds made slip is she has there's a trunk that um what's her friend's name it starts with the l lizzie lizzie thank you i wanted to say lexi um lizzie that she has this trunk that she keeps under her bed and so that's where um esme starts like collecting these things that are associated with the dictionary but not necessarily going to be in the dictionary so that's kind of where you start learning about that and yeah. And um, then, like, Mr. Crane comes in. Because at this point, she's got a fairly good, like, relationship with all the men that work in the, the scriptorium. Like, they just kind of see her as this, like, fun, playful little girl that is very curious, learning her alphabet, learning her words. Yeah. When, like, over those 10 years, I mean, at that point, she's 17, almost. So she's, and they, like, she starts actually working for them and actually helping with them do stuff. Like, she's not just sitting under her, like, dad's desk anymore. She's actually contributing well, she does get, but then there's Mr. Crane who comes in and catches her, like, what he says, stealing the slips of paper when their papers, like, slips that have been discarded. And so because she's starting to become a nuisance, her dad's like, I had to set you up. You're going away to a uh, private all-girls school, like, boarding school for a little yeah. bit. And then she, she she got kicked out, didn't she? No, I mean, I don't know if that she got kicked out. I think they just realized that she was, like, really depressed there. Like, she wasn't herself. And, like, that's when they realized, like, she can't stay there. And then she, yeah, that's when she kind of comes back and they slowly start getting her more and more involved. This is when I really started to dislike Esme. Oh, you didn't like her? No. Oh. She was peak. Like, we can't talk about Nepo babies now. That was her. She never would have gotten that job in there if it weren't for her dad. Because she wasn't even that good at it. I don't know. I don't know that she wasn't good at it. I mean, I thought she... 
did a great job. Like, she was always the one, like, that had to go run the errands and stuff for them and help them, like, edit stuff. I don't know. I didn't despise her at all. I mean, I just, I don't know. I actually, like, found her, oh, what was the word I was going to, like, describe? There was a word I had that I was going to describe her because I just felt like, she was just trying to do her best, trying to do what's right. Like, she was trying to learn, like, why these words weren't put in. Um, she's, when she started hanging out with, like, people that can't, like, necessarily read and write, but the words that they were using, she was trying to figure out why those words were not being in there. And I just, I'll have to, like, hopefully I can think of it once we're talking again, but. I, I think I, it's more that she. Like, she never recognized that she came from a privileged background. Like, she's one of those, like, rich kids you see now who are just like, oh, I just, I'm cool. Like, I'll hang out with anybody, but have no sense of, but she's I, got no sense of, because it took her almost the entire book for her to realize that these words she's collecting are from uneducated masses, and that's why they're not getting in, because people look down on them. It took her almost that entire book. Yeah, I, and I understand that, but I don't think it was that she was, that she considered herself privileged at all. Like, I don't know that. No, that's the point. Like, she but never I, recognized. But like, I don't, she couldn't but recognize I don't, But that. I never saw it in her character, like, where she treated people differently. Because, like, when I think of privilege like that, like, she was friends with these people trying to learn from them and trying to collect these words from them. And she never, like, spoke down on them or, like, treated them differently because they spoke like that. So I don't know that I no, was... I don't, I don't think I, don't I was. I don't mean privilege like that. I mean, it took like five or six or seven or eight times for them to tell her something like this is the way it is for her finally to be like, oh, this is the way it is. But she also did not grow up with a mother. She only grew up with her father. Like, I think there's there's reasons behind that. Like, because there was even like that was even mentioned multiple times is like. There was like, well, Lily would have known what to do, or Lily would have been able to help with this. Like, I think that's also why. I mean, just because that's a reason doesn't mean she, I didn't find her insufferable. Like, I really did not like. I wanted this book to be about Lizzie more than anybody else. Oh, see, I didn't like Lizzie. Oh, yeah. Because <laughs> I think again, the whole I thought thing she, she was, was... judge. I thought she was judgmental. Like, I thought the like she just always was just very judgmental on when Esme did things and like. I, I think know. it's because and I just I'm seeing I'm seeing it through Lizzie's eyes where it's like like the way she thought about Tilda and stuff and I was just like okay like well for me it was more of like Lizzie saw Lizzie saw like like Tilda's brand of feminism is very much so what we consider like white woman fe feminism now she was only fighting for her and women like her she's never fighting for women like Lizzie I mean, yeah. That's what I think Lizzie saw in, like, those people, and then that's that was where her judgment came from, where she essentially was, like, how many times did she have to tell Esme, like, I'm your bondsmaid, and you don't seem to understand that. Yeah, but I think that's, but that's what I'm saying with, like, Lizzie, but I felt she was the same way towards Esme. She wasn't just towards that to Tilda. I just felt like, like, it took her for them both to be sent away to her to finally get a friend, and I was like... It was just, like, she always wanted, I don't know, I just, there was something about her that I, I just felt she was very judgmental towards everybody. I think she, 
because I mean, like Lizzie didn't have a mother either. Like she lost yeah. her mother when she was young. Yeah. And then Esme didn't understand at the time, like, oh, I screwed up when she bent her mother's hat pin. Yeah. And I was like, that's all she had from her. Yeah. Like, why would you not? Like, you were very like. I mean, again, she was probably yeah. she was seven or eight at the time. That's also hard for a young kid to understand that what that was. I mean, but she should have known that going in and taking somebody's things and doing that's wrong. Yeah. But I don't think she knew the, the, like when she did, when she took that pin, she was trying to write something, like scratch something into that trunk. I don't think at that time she knew how much that pin meant to Lizzie. Doesn't mean that it was still right of her it to do it. It wasn't her trunk either. Though, yeah. Like. But Lizzie did say that Lizzie's she could use trunk. it, but she did say she could use it. <laughs> well, yeah. What is she going to say? She's. She's her, like, she has to watch out. She has to remain employed, and if she yells at her, like, she's out of a job. But she, didn't, but, she, like, but she didn't work for her. She worked for the Murrays. She didn't work for... Her. Yeah, she but the Murrays were very close to Esme yeah. and her dad. Yeah, I don't know. I don't... I don't know. I think that... I mean, it's, I think it's interesting that we saw completely different things for these two characters. Um, but, again, like, she was young. She... I just... I just took it up as, like, kids are going to do stupid things. Like, yeah. and you're just, you're not going to know. You're going to get reprimanded. She felt bad for it after. She definitely did. She um, did. And we, we see that as she grows older. Like, she does slowly start to learn things. And I think that's why I was, like, I just, I kind of was just, like, I gave her a pass on things. Because I was, like, this girl literally does not know anything. And I just always felt that she was trying to learn. Like, she was constantly, she had slips of like, blank papers in her pockets and pencils so that if somebody said a word she didn't know, she was constantly writing it down. And then she would always give that person credit. She always gave that person's name. Like, I don't know. I just felt like that she was just somebody that was constantly learning. I think it's it's not that either. It's just that she she had such a one-track mind on that dictionary on writing those words down that she didn't – she never really stopped to think – I don't know. It just felt like it took her a long time to think of other people. Like we, I feel like we've kind of jumped around, but um, plot-wise. But if, like eventually, we we get into uh, like World War One, and previously to this, we talked about Tilda, who was an actress, and then Billy. She becomes friends with these people, and Tilda is a, like a suffragette. Um, and then Esme strikes up a, a relationship essentially a sexual relationship with Billy and becomes pregnant. So they arrange for her to go live with Dita and her sister. And Esme gives birth and then slowly comes to realize that these, this other um, woman and her husband are going to adopt her baby and they adopt her baby and move to Australia. So well, like that, that part to me, I very much so was like, you know, Esme, even though she was like, it took her a long time to come to the realization that she was going to give the baby up to adopt for adoption. I mean, that's um, a hard decision to make. No, it is. Like, yeah. It is. Like, I think... Well, I don't think it was... I got more of the impression that she wasn't even thinking about it until it happened. <laughs> yeah. No, I don't think... Because I think when they brought it up to her, I think she still was, like, thinking, like, this was her baby. Like, I mean, again... At that point, her baby didn't even have a name yet. And, like, as obviously, I don't know this. You would know this more than me. But, like, 
there's an immediate bond. Whether you know that you're giving that baby up for adoption or not, there's going to be an immediate bond. You carried this baby for nine months. And so I think just that realization, too, of, like, when that baby was taken away from her and then, like, she never had, gave that baby a name. So, like, throughout the book, she's just calling her her. Her, yeah. And so. No, I, I felt for her at that part. That part specifically when her dad dies. Oh, Jesus Like, those Christ. two parts were, I mean, universal, feel bad, you know, in general. Yeah. I actually actually thought those two parts were very beautifully written. Yeah. I think it comes a little bit afterwards once Esme returns. You know, she's no longer in contact with Tilda and Esme. She meets, she jumps right back in with the scriptorium. There's a jerk there. <laughs> like, yeah. Who he, I think he very much so represented more of the, the, the men working there who would be like, you know, she would give the word labor. And for a women labor, like, for women labor means not only working, but when you go to get a baby, you're going into labor. And yeah. he was just like, that's not what we need. We need the one, the, the, the traditional. So yeah, he I was, understand why he was a character. Yeah, and, like, she had, like, a desk, like, her little area. Like, when she went off to have this baby, like, he kind of took up space where her desk was. And, like, even just the scene of where she was just trying to squeeze between his chair to her desk was, like, yeah. he just was, like, would not move. And she was just, like, excuse me, like, hello. Like, he was just very rude and, like, and then, like, the other two men, like, this is when her father's still alive. The other two men that were working there, her dad was trying to make them suitors for her. He was like, what do you think about them? And she's like, dad would probably, like, never want to get married. Because, <laughs> like, they were, like, they were fighting on, like, who was going to shake her hand or bow down to her first when they were introduced. It was, like, her dad, to me, was... I just, I fell in love with him because he was just so sweet. He did everything possible for his daughter and, like, to be a single parent and to just do that. And then to be a dad that's a girl dad, like, you don't, like you said, there were so many parts in the scene where it was like, well, Lily would know how to do this or Lily could do this. And so I know that was really difficult for him. And he just, he loved her so much and he just felt it. So when we get closer to the part where you he he ends up dying like it was just it was truly heartbreaking because like to me that was like that was her like that was her whole world yeah he was he was definitely one of the better characters i think just because of like you said and then um you know there's the (laughs) this me kind of gets swindled by tilda to pass out these suffered like suffered (laughs) flyers out and everybody else is just like scandalized. Like, did you did you see these? And she's like, oh no, like, trying to act like she didn't. <laughs> she wasn't the one that put them in the mailbox. <laughs> and her dad, because like they were very much so profiling like some more of the violent protests that were going on instead of just the marches. Yeah. Um, and so she really didn't want to be associated with any of that. And then her dad comes over with the pamphlet, and he's like, not a bad idea. I want to check into it. <laughs> like, <laughs> like his subtle way of supporting it. <laughs> he was great. He was such... I just... I fell in love with him. Oh. He was just a sweet... Like, I just... I pictured him just like a sweet old man. <laughs> like, just doing what he had, doing what he needed to do to for him and his daughter to survive. Yeah. Um, Esme's main goal, though, is to become an editor and not just one of the assistants. 
So she wants to be on the level of her dad and the good doctor, because I kept referring to him in my head the entire time. Um, but this is this is another part that really like really annoyed me about Esme's character was she learned about the hunger strikes going on and they were like they had to force feed these women and her immediate thought instead of that's terrible because it's not like she's new to this movement like she's known about it now for at least five ten years her first thought is oh I wonder if I go on a hunger strike if I'll get an editor's position and I was like like how like that's so that's stupid that was so stupid yeah <laughs> like I there were times there was, where she just like she was so naive and just so oblivious what, to things. I think that's what annoys me about like her. Like the na- naivety so and the obliviousness. Naive. And then the, the oblivious things, too. Like, just oblivious to some things. Yeah. I could see that. She's, she's. I think that's what annoys me about her, was how naive she was. And it was just, again, like, you know, she was going out. She was essentially like Jasmine after she escapes from the palace for the first time in Aladdin. At first I was like, like, I'm going to take this apple. You had me so worried. I was like, who is Jasmine? I don't. (laughs) And then I was like, what book did we read? You don't remember Jasmine? No. And then I was like, did we read a book recently with Jasmine in it? I was like, and then you said Aladdin. I was like, oh, Lord. (laughs) No, where she goes out in the marketplace for the first time. And she's just like, you know, in awe of everything. And then she just tries to take the apple. And the guy's like, are you going to pay for that? And she's like, no. What is paying? (laughs) These are not free? My bad. Yeah. Because again, and then we find progressing. I think Gareth was actually my favorite character. He seemed so kind, so <sighs> sweet. He was. He worked for the printer, and he would. Um, he was, you know, help printing the library. Mm-hmm. He'd get the the proofs, and he would yeah. do all of them. He was. He was. Uh, they were so cute. Yeah. Like watching their romance, like slowly start to like develop. Because at first, you do think it's going to be Bill, because you like have this tension with them. They're like, they're always hanging out, going to the play to watch Tilda. And then he disappears. We really don't hear from him again. Find out later. He got another girl pregnant. He's a dad, (laughs) all those things. But then Garrett, like we're, we're like introduced to him pretty early on. Like she sees this boy, like in there when she's going to the press or whatever, like, and like, you're like, okay. Like, and then she's like, oh, I forgot his name. Oh, it's Garrett. And then just, like, it's just sprinkled in there until, like, it finally, like, blossoms, which was so sweet. Yeah, they were... I think that was my favorite part of the book, was her whole thing with, with Gareth. Yeah, and um, then, yeah, it was... Uh, it was sweet. He was so sweet. She was keeping in the fact that she, um, like, had a baby and gave, him, gave her up for adoption, like, very, very secretive to her, and finally... Um, Lizzie encourages her, like, you need to go tell him. I think he'll, like, he'll be fine. And she tells him, and he's just like, okay, it is what it is. Yeah. (laughs) Doesn't change how I feel about you. Yeah. Oh, like, his proposal. Yes. Guys, instead of a ring, (laughs) he had gotten a hold of her slips of paper and what she had been calling her dictionary of lost words. And he printed it into a real dictionary for <laughs> Men, take note. Now, I'm not saying I don't want a ring, but man, like, that's way to a girl's heart right there. Like, one of the most romantic things. I was like, no, he didn't. 
Yeah, oh, it was. It was so sweet. But as their like wedding approaches and everything, World War One starts really ramping up. When that happened, I was like, "Man, he's gonna oh, die." I know. I was like, "Another one." Why? I was like, "Another death." I was like, "I'm not ready for this." I know. At the end, when I read it, I was like, "Why couldn't have Gareth been one of the ones that made it out?" <laughs> I know. Spoiler but, um, alert: He dies in the war. Well, yeah. Um, <laughs> they start talking about more and more. They see men around them get conscripted, and then really all that comes back in place of them is a note saying we you know we regret to inform you that they have died in battle and killed in action and all that and they're just like oh like i think was it um gareth introduces her to a woman who lost both of her sons and she's the one where she was like my youngest like you know he'd be 17 today so he was 16 when he went over yeah like that was the whole thing is like you learned about like how young these men were being, they weren't even men, they were boys being sent to war. Um, and, like, a lot of them also worked, like, at the printing press and stuff, and then they'd be like, they didn't come back. Yeah. They didn't come back. So. But this was, I think this was actually, like, my favorite word she defined when, instead of loss up to that point being like, mm-hmm. oh, you know losses something you no longer have or you can't find it anywhere it was like like you know like the removal of something large in your life like a chunk of your heart missing so i really i thought that was the best word i i wish i would have marked it in this book maybe while we're talking i can try to find it but i also liked they the way they described using like cuss words (laughs) I do like that the very first word she got when she went out with Lizzie was the C word. <laughs> and her definition that she wrote for it was amazing. Yeah. Um, she also, we haven't even talked about like Mabel yet. Old Mabel. Which is, Mabel. Where's, which is where, like she started getting these words from really. Because she was a woman that had like a little, it's not a kiosk back in the day, but kind of had like a little setup and where she would sell things, and um, she was uneducated, and so, like, the words that she would use were definitely words that Esme had never heard of, and so a lot of words that she was learning were written, like, the definitions were from Mabel, and so she would go there and just, like, learn more words from her, and Mabel was even like, I got a new word for you. (laughs) Yeah, Mabel really got into it. Yeah. Again, another death. Spoiler alert. Yeah. Mabel was already pretty old. She was a, a mm-hmm. sex worker. Yeah, and she was <laughs> yeah, she wasn't it wasn't she wasn't healthy. She was like her health wasn't she the was, best. She was always she coughing. Was very much so your stereotypical like cockney prostitute. <laughs> she was like always like like when they would describe like her like her coughing and hacking, like you could hear yeah. it. <laughs> so Good old yeah. Mabel. yeah, she was a great character. I just, I pictured, like, a gypsy-like type woman. Like, always with, like, the shawl around her head. Yeah, like, like, that's how I, like, pictured. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, so then she gets the letter that, like, Garrett dies in the war. So it's, like, Mm -hmm. her third loss. 
Like this poor, like she, <laughs> she had to go through a lot. I think I was just like, oh. But. But then it became her mission. She wanted to make copies of her dictionary okay. to pass out to help preserve, and so she goes to the um, the printing the press over there and she talks to Garrett's boss and he was like we don't really keep because you know it's still at the time where you have to slide the metal like things yeah. into the plates and then you have to press the plates it's not how we print <laughs> sorry that's not a dog but he's like you know we we don't typically keep the plates or the proofs that long for let me go see and Gareth had kept all of the proofs so she was able to mm-hmm. make more copies of them and that kind of became her legacy because as we see at the very end we jump to Australia sorry yeah. go ahead no that yeah like like you kind of like it kind of like ends and then you get to the epilogue or whatever where we're in Australia and character named Megan receives a letter from Dita. From Edith slash Dita. So Dita writes to Megan and says Which is I know Esme's daughter. Uh, yes. I think and we, says, yeah. I know you know you're adopted, you just don't know who your mother is mm-hmm. and proceeds to tell her all about her mom because um, as we find out, Esme was, she was like, essentially walking across the street and was hit by a carriage. <laughs> like, she died young. Yeah. She was only 46. And so she was uh, writing to Megan to let her know and said, you know, this was her life's work. Um, you know, I wanted you to have it. And uh, that's essentially, Megan kind of goes into a little spiral of like, I have the mom that I know and loved, but I also have this woman that I have a connection with but don't know at all. Yeah. And it kind of brings up, like, what the definition of, like, mom is, right? Mm -hmm. Like, she's like, which one is my mom or whatever. Yeah. Um, And then again, we flash forward to 1987, so 100 years since the book started, and they're at a university and this man is saying, you know, to a bunch of new young students who want to be lexographers, talking about the first dictionary. And, and then he invites Megan up. And at this point, she's like, you know, a big researcher. She's a big name in the lexography world. And she gives a speech and her speech starts with, my mother wrote, my mother preserved these words in the dictionary of lost words. Which was her way of continuing on as Maze. Which, which is, I loved. I thought that was a great ending. Oh, it was a perfect ending. I thought it was so yeah. good. Because at first I was like, what are we doing here? Like in, uh, we're in the 80s, the 1980s now. And then I was like, because <laughs> well, like, like, even Megan. Like, There's no way she's like 120 years old, right? Because like, like Megan at that point, I mean, she's, she's, she's up there because that's 60 years that we left off. Mm-hmm. And I yeah. think at that point, I don't remember how old she was, but... She was, I think, a clock in her 80s. Yeah, I was going to say 70s or 80s is where I was thinking she was at. So, yeah. I just, that was a great ending that she just, like, kind of kept the Dictionary of Lost Words going. I was in the middle with this book because I didn't like Esme. And obviously, since about her, I really liked the way it was written. Mm-hmm. But it was very, like, pretty to read and to listen to. I just think there were some, like, 
like cheap ways around showing things versus telling us. And I felt like I like you know there's got to be actual words out there that were omitted related to women. And I think I would have rather heard about some of those rather than the ways definitions had changed. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I mean, I can see that. Like how bondsmaid was going to be chucked out, but bondsmen was still going to be in the dictionary. Like, words like that. <laughs> but I also love, so like, the whole thing was like, they assumed that she stole bondsmaid or whatever. But at the very end, so Dr. Murray ends up dying and they have to move out of the scriptorium. And when they're cleaning, like, the pigeonholes where they keep all the things, they actually find a bondsmaid slip on the floor. And so they're kind of all like, this is where it was the whole time. Even though she did steal it, but there was another... And she she had showed them, like, why isn't this one going in? And even somebody else wrote it. Yeah, they got a... No, they got a letter like, where they were yeah. like, why wasn't Bondsman and Bondsmaid included? Yeah, and, and they it, were like, why isn't who didn't? Yeah, and like, where is it? But then like, when they move like the pigeonholes to clean out the scriptorium, it's like all dusty on the floor. And so they were like, huh, it was there yeah. the whole time. <laughs> and so I thought that was yeah. a great little like thing too. Like some little cheap things where it was like, at the end, we do get a picture of like we talked about, like the real life people who had worked on it, because the picture was taken. Yes. And yes. obviously, Esme's not in it because she's not real. But Doctor Sweatmoon. Doctor Sweatmoon is though. Yes. <laughs> and so instead of just being, instead of just being like, "Oh, Esme was away. Sorry, you weren't in the picture. We had Lizzie take it." They're like, "Oh my gosh, Esme, you're gonna have to take this picture. I'm so sorry, you're not in it, and that's why you won't be in the picture at the end of the book." I'm like. That's so cheap. That's such a cheap way to do it for <laughs> Yeah. yeah I, th- um, I don't know. I just, I will say, like, so if you listen to the episodes, the, probably the last two episodes before this one, we were very discouraging of this book. We both were thinking that it was, it was pretty slow. Like, it took us quite a bit to read this book. It's not a it's... long book. It's like 350, 360 pages. Um and I think, I think my thing was, like, the, the first half, I was like, what are we doing? I what is this book? I done without probably about 50% <laughs> yeah. of her yeah. from, like, age 7 to age 12. Yeah, like, I was like, what are we doing with this book? Where is this book? If this book is a little about her just collecting slips, like, I can't do it. When, at some point, it was when you still were, like, maybe 20-ish pages in, and I was, like, in, like, 100 and something, that day when we were done recording, the next chapter that I read was when I found out she was pregnant. And so I was like, okay, mm-hmm. now we're getting somewhere. Now we're getting some storyline. Now we're getting a good plot. And I will say, I think the second half made up for that first half. Like it finally, like I felt like we were going faster. Things were moving along. Things were happening faster. Like I find like the dictionary wasn't happening any faster. It was taking forever. But <laughs> all the stories surrounding it, I finally was like, okay, we're getting somewhere. Like, we're finally doing something. Because that first half, just watching her grow up, and just, I was like, I was like, I can't, I can't do it. So that was a little slow for me. That was like, that's my main complaint. Um, I also, one of the characters that we didn't really mention was Mr. Sweatman that also worked in there. And I just loved how sweet and that he, that he was towards Esme and was always trying to just like help her or, 
defend her if something happened or just just yeah. always just treated her with kindness because at that point women were not treated like that and she was just a child but she did end up growing up and working there and I just I loved that about her like about him I thought he was also a great character even though he was like a behind the scenes like type character just when he was mentioned I always kind of had a smile on my face because I liked how he just was always like good morning Esme when like that rude guy I can't think of his name because he was irrelevant to me but yeah like (laughs) that like just how rude too yeah just like how rude (laughs) he was and stuff so he just I felt like that he made up for it yeah, it was like this huge long piece of childhood, and then the rest of her life just shoved in at the end of the book. And I was like, Ugh. yeah, um, yeah. I think I'm I'm kind of with you. Like, probably between a three to three point two five ish is where I'm probably at, like a three point two five. Yeah, um, it was a solid three. Yeah, um, I'm like because we've read four books so far for Reese and. We definitely have, like, our favorite, and, like, Whisper Network, you know, is at that bottom, and then, like, so I'm, like, between Whisper Network and, like, Dictionary of Lost Words, I'm, like, I don't know, because I think there was more depth to Dictionary of Lost Words and, like, the history behind it and stuff, so, like, I think it has, like, a slight edge over Whisper Network for me. I would, I would put this over a Whisper Network. Yeah. I really couldn't stand that book. <laughs> yeah. So, but yeah, um I I'm, I'm glad it ended better than it started. <laughs> is what I'll yes. say with that. <laughs> I will definitely yes. say. Cuz there was a point where I was like, "Oh my god." Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I I'm glad that it went definitely faster. I was like, "Whew." Cuz yeah, if you listen to those episodes we were we were not happy about this book. <laughs> and we haven't had a book like that for recent. Granted, we've only done four. But if you listen to our Oprah Book Club episodes, like I feel like almost every other book we were like, oh my god, this book is terrible. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> um, so, yeah. I love the cover of this book, though. I don't know if this is the one that you have. That is. And she has two other covers. You can see them on her website. Uh-huh. Maybe I'll look that up. Um, and they're very, they're similar. They're very pretty too. Um, before we like wrap up, I don't know if we have anything else, but for last week's episode, I do know how to pronounce post-apocalyptic. I don't okay, know. If, so <laughs> I don't know if my tongue got twisted, and then we just moved on, and then I never corrected it. We just started talking about it, so I want to make that very clear. I think it's one of those things where sometimes one of us, like, egregiously mispronounces something, and the other person's just like, we're not drawing attention to that. We are going to move on. We we know what she meant. And then I want to make it clear, when I'm, like, reading a summary of a book, like, whether it's the back of a book or something on Goodreads, like, especially last week's episode, like, we were, it was a last minute, like, just talking about some books real quick. I don't want to read the whole thing to y'all. Like, I don't need to get into detail. So when there's a pause, I'm looking for the next, like, best sentence to connect it. (laughs) So I apologize where I was, like, reading it myself. And then it probably would have just taken 
a lot quicker for me to just read the whole thing instead of looking to just try to break it up and make it short and sweet. So, again, I apologize to them because I was like, I know how to read. It's not that. I'm just trying to, like, put two sentences together. Like, instead of saying the long, green, dark road, I'm trying to, I'm like, the long road. <laughs> like, I don't need, like, so I want to apologize for those two things. I think I was like post-apocalyptic and then like moved on yeah, was, real quick. I haven't listened to that episode yet. Love. I haven't listened to that episode yet, but I was like, I know it's there. So I want to address my speaking issues. <laughs> and also I'm one of those people that like hated reading in front of the class because I was always, like, you know when you had to, like, go around, like, each, I don't know if you had, like, when they were, like, each person reads a paragraph. Around the, go around the world, or it was, like, popcorn. And, like, so you try to count what paragraph you would have to read. Yeah. To try to prepare. It? Yes, because what if there's a word in there you can't pronounce? <laughs> like, and you and, practice it, and it was always the wrong paragraph, you'd be like, shit. Yes, and, like, trying to pronounce post-apocalyptic. Like, if that was in a paragraph, I would, I would have easily stumbled over that. Because you already know it's, like, it's a, a mouthful. And then to be reading in front of, like, a group of students or something, it's just, like... Yeah. Uh, so I think that's... I have a little anxiety now when I try to read these summaries. <laughs> I'm, I'm reading in front of the class again. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, that was my little thing for last week. But, yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Yes, our next book is The Henna Artist by Aka Joshi. It was the May 2020 pick. Um, It is set in the 1950s. 17 year old Lakshmi escapes her abusive. Lakshmi. Oh, Lakshmi. Lakshmi, yeah. Okay. Lakshmi escapes her abusive marriage to to the city of Jaipur. There she becomes the most highly requested henna artist and a confidant to the wealthy women of the upper class. But she can never reveal her own secrets. Um, and this is the first of a trilogy. Mm-hmm. I have heard phenomenal things about this book. I'm really excited about this one. So either it's going to be great or it's going to be overhyped. It's going to be no one between. Yeah. But I'm, I'm excited about this I'm, one. I'm really excited for this one. Yeah, I know I'm super excited for this one. Um, and again, it was the 2020 pick, so it's been almost three years since it's been picked so um i'm kind of excited hopefully there's not like long waits or anything for this book well i looked in the audio or the ebook at my library i would have been like 10th in line Mm -hmm. but there were a ton of physical copies available in my library so i should get it yeah and then um and we can wait till next week if we want but since we are approaching the end of January, I didn't know if we wanted to do my February TBR jar now at the end of this episode or wait until next week's episode to draw my next pick for February to read. We'll see you next week. Okay. Sounds good. Because I haven't read January's pick yet. <laughs> <laughs> you have a trip coming up. You have time. Yeah. So, okay, anything else? We also, oh. the Oscars are coming up, and that's when we do our golden bookmark. Yes, 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 yes. I already have, I've already started writing um, some of my 2022 reading stats to kind of get ready for that. Um, and then 
I guess I need to figure out what our awards were from last year because I do not remember. So I'm gonna have to go back to that episode yep. and, and yep. see what we <laughs> see what awards we did. I uh, I had so many word documents with all that stuff on it, and then without thinking, I updated my computer and it got rid of all. Oh no! I so. got like a new notebook and was like, we're just gonna start keeping stuff in here. Girl. Yes, I like to write stuff. <laughs> Um, to get a notebook. Yeah. Um, anything else? I don't think so. Alright, well this is our last episode for January, because I think it'll come out on the 31st. Mm-hmm. Um, our Instagram is reading with celebs. Our Twitter is reading W celebs. So please go give us a like, follow, subscribe, review, all of those fun things, and we will see you next week. Happy reading. Bye, guys. Bye.